Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 40, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Folks, we are back, off-season edition about to get underway. I enjoyed a little bit of time away as well as I welcome in my co-host and uh, fellow commentator, Pete Steinberg. Pete, you had a real getaway. You got out of the country and in the country and all over the country. You've had a great last month. How have you been, buddy? <laughs> it, it's good. I, I, I had... Um... A month where I think I was at home for two nights. So um, most of it uh, traveled with the family. We went to Europe for a couple of weeks, um, took in the uh, Women's Soccer World Cup, went to the uh, semi-final and final, um, and then spent some time in Georgia with my wife's family before um, getting home Sunday night after three weeks and leaving Monday morning to New York. And Dan, I, I did something that I've never done before. I took a reverse red eye. I, I I was flying out of New York, and I think it was Hurricane Barry that hit New Orleans. Was New York hit hit Newark at seven thirty? Um, we boarded at ten fifty. We had some technical problems. We didn't take off till one fifty. We landed at three thirty a.m. in Denver, and I got home at four thirty. So I I think I haven't quite recovered from that. But yeah, lots of lots of travel, and Dan, lots of tips. I'm not well, even sure where to start. Well, let's just put a couple in the bank for next season because we may need to to lean on those. But give me your best one right now. Well, I mean, probably the tip that most people don't know about it, particularly those in the States, is um, there is an EU um, rule for flights um, that uh, are, are definitely within the EU. And I think if they land in the EU, even if it's a non-EU carrier, and if you're delayed by more than four hours or if your flight is cancelled, you're actually due compensation. And so um, my wife and my daughter were flying through, um, uh, originally through Munich. That flight got cancelled. Um, it was the hottest day of the year. There were lots of storms. They ended up flying. Um, so they were originally going to fly through Frankfurt. They ended up flying, flying through Munich. They missed their connection. They stayed overnight. And... Um, for both my wife and my daughter, we are getting 250 euros compensation, but you have to ask for it. You've got to work to be able to get that money, but that's a nice 500 euros to make a little dent in the cost of the overall trip to Europe. Oh, geez. Add it to those coffers. Scrooge I think, McDuck. I think, yeah, I think it's EU rule 261. So if you, if you just Google EU 261, um, it'll pop up and there's a Wikipedia page and it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's a little bit of compensation for a little, you know, for a lot of annoyance, but um, it's one that you'll miss if you don't know about it. Is that dash A or dash B? Just <laughs> no, okay. Well, mate, let's let's jump into the off season. There's been a quite a bit of news, and you know, one of the signs of uh, of a healthy sports league is off season news. If there's stuff going on in the off season, it means that things are you know moving in the right direction. We've had had plenty of news. But we will kick things off with some players that we will not be seeing in 2020. Uh, announcement came out, I believe it was yesterday, from the Glendale Raptors, farewelling four of their stalwart players. So we'll kick things off with that. And uh, I'm not sure if you got a chance to read over it, but it was the retirement of uh, Pete Dahl, Zach Fenolio, Maximo Diarchival, and Casey Rock. Casey Rock being one of the original Raptors from the uh, inaugural season, who has finally hung up the boots after what must be 11 years now playing for the Raptors. So let's talk about the Raptors and those retirements first. Well, I mean, it's all changed with the Raptors right now. I, I you know, 
Um, Maximo didn't play much this year, played um, more last year. I mean, DTS was a real find for them. Wasn't a lot of time. I think he had one star and one substitution. But, um, you know, uh, Zach Fenolio and Peter Dahl in particular, I think they both had 11 starts. Um, Peter Dahl was just such a class player. And and he had a bit of a renaissance the last two years in the MLR, but he made such a difference with Glendale. Like my view of Glendale was they were the best team at the breakdown. Um, they could clear out the best to play quickly. They could slow the ball down and turn it over. And it was the play of some of these old heads like Peter Dow and Zach Fenolio that really made a difference. And when, when you look at these sorts of retirements and you see four players who are all MLR capable players, what that says is, you're losing a lot of your depth, right? And regardless, these guys um, were all part-time players. They all had jobs, but actually they were all players that that could do a job. And I think it's going to be really interesting. There's rumors of more change um, at Glendale, other players leaving with the new coaching staff. It's going to be a very, very interesting year. It's, It's definitely a new era for the Glendale Raptors. Yeah, it will be uh, an interesting next couple of months down there at uh, Rugby Town USA. What can Pete Borlase, who has uh, already hired one of his longtime friends and former teammates out of Canterbury to uh, help coach? So could be a, an influence from New Zealand starting to tunnel in there to, to Glendale. So we'll keep an eye on that. Two other big names that have come out. Well, three other big names, I should say. Uh, John Cullen. He hangs up the boots at the Utah Warriors. Uh, JC, an absolute champion of a bloke and great player too for the Warriors in their first two years. Matt Truville, he uh, will stay on with the Houston Sabercats, but not in a playing capacity. And Andrew Suniula, we uh, honoured Big Drew in his last game for Austin against Seattle out there. But uh, again, three very, very important players for those sides, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I, I always felt that Utah were a different team with John Cullen. He was, um, you know, uh, one of those guys that was a um, standout football player um, and even was on the practice squads of some of the NFL teams. Um, But, you know, uh, had um, a few caps for the US, didn't quite make the 2015 World Cup. It was a bit of a tweener, right? Wasn't quite big enough to play second row, wasn't quite fast enough to play number eight, but was definitely a quality player. And uh, um, I think Life, you know, that's a life choice. Um, he's young enough. I think he's only 29. He could play for a little bit more, but he's got a young kid. He's looking for a changing career. And we're going to see that because the Major League Rugby contracts are not yet the ones that will set you up for life. Um, you know, Matt, Matt Truvo, I think, has already been thinking about what's next for him. Is the, He's the academy director for the Sabercats. I know he's been working with Penn State and some other teams as a coach, and I'm sure we're going to see him around. And, you know, it was great to see um, Houston recognize him so much. I, we did the last game um, and uh, um, the, the CBS game that was in Utah. And actually both John Cullen and Matt Truville um, were retired in that game. But, um, you know, Matt Truville got a chance. His last um, action on a uh, rugby field was going for the conversion, which I think he pulled to the left. It was yeah. almost the dream, the dream end. And then, of course, you know, Andrew Sinio. Now, now let's just say that, um, is he actually retired? Because he, 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 you know, I thought he was already retired. 
<laughs> and then he came out and played again. He played really well. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Austin need a big ball-carrying centre to see if he might come out of retirement one more time. Well, gone are the days of retirement being retirement, right, Pete? Now it's retirement until I get a phone call. That's right. And then, uh, yeah, sure, I'll uh, I'll play a home game. And then the, can you can you travel next week? Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I'm having fun, and you know, we got to see uh, Drew, and he kicked some goals too. Yeah, which is, uh, quite a tradition. He he actually slotted. I think he went two from three on the day, and good technique, Drew, getting over the ball there. And so yeah. again, that's an I mean, interesting interesting. Because, like you said, Drew had almost pulled himself out of uh, playing for 2019 and then comes back late. So Austin had already put some pieces of the puzzle in place to replace him already. Yeah, you know, this weekend is they've, they've got the Hall of Fame um, induction uh, for the rugby U.S. Rugby Foundation and Brian Vizard's group who do a great job. They're doing – they've got the, the Hall of Fame induction. I'm wondering if the uh, um, Sunio's mother – shouldn't be inducted into the U.S. Rugby Hall of Fame because I'm not sure that there's anyone who's done more um, to impact uh, U.S. rugby than than the Sinio family. I mean, they've, they've all represented um, the U.S. Uh, you know, in sevens, in fifteens, to a very high level. And, you know, all of them, all, all the brothers are coming to the end of their careers, but they're all showing what quality players and people they are as MLR takes its first steps forward. Pete, you are a genius. That's one of the best things I've ever heard you pull out. Let's get a, let's get that moving. How, we saw the petition to redo Game of Thrones. Can we get a petition to get Mrs. Suniula into the Hall of Fame for giving, giving the US three of its best? That is fantastic. Well, let's talk about some transactions that we've seen over the docket over the last few weeks. Uh, San Diego, well, you know, they, they lose at the very death in that great final against Seattle. They have been busy going out and signing some players with uh, Tira Patterson out of Fiji. He plays for the uh, domestic side in Fiji. I believe that's in the um, global rapid rugby competition that uh, Twiggy's got going on down there. Uh, They've also gone out and signed Stefan Armitage, who just a few years ago, Pete, was European Player of the Year and uh, didn't, didn't get as much attention as I thought it was. You know, we had... Uh, Bastereau out in New York with Ben Foden, and I know it's a bigger market out there, but this is a big signing. He's an outstanding player, a very, very tough player as well, along with that Dominic Day, the Welshman, who I believe got three or four caps for Wales uh, around that 14, 15 year, perhaps, and uh, they've got him as well. So oof, that's going to be a, a pretty good back row as they re-sign Wuching and Piffaletti as well. Pete, let's talk San Diego on the signings there. Three very, very good players. Well, you know, San Diego, I think, have um, a, a really uh, um, high-class operation out there. And I think what we're seeing is that the teams that really have a solid foundation are moving early. You know, one of the interesting things, I, I was also pretty impressed with Stefan Armitage. I mean, his highlight was um, uh, in in Europe was playing for Toulon. I, I, I actually got to spend a few days with Toulon and met him. Um, really, really great guy. Uh, probably one of the best um, over the ball at the breakdown. Um, has, you know, he's sort of a weird number eight because he's square, but he's able to get low. He's very difficult to move out. He poaches the ball really well. He's 34. And he's played the last two years with Powell. So he's not quite at his best. And I think that's the difference between um, 
some of the other signings and Stefan Armitage is that if he'd come straight from Toulon and it was a couple of years ago, I think it would have made a bigger splash. But he is going to have a huge impact on players like Wuching and Devon Shaw and um, uh, Drew Gaffney, the, the young back row that the Legion have. So I think that's a, a, a great signing. And, you know, Dominic Day is one of these interesting, in fact, both of these guys are one of these interesting, they're both interesting signings where they're, they're guys that probably, you know, could have got another contract in Europe. Um, you know, uh, Dominic Day's been basically a backup at Saracens for the last two years, um, you know, as a, as a seasoned second row. And, um, you know, there's been some rumors coming out of Europe that, that a number of um, the teams are deciding that those backups are now going to be academy players, that they're going to rationalize a little bit, that they don't want to spend too much on the 32, 33-year-old that's not going to play very much, and they're going to spend less on the 20-year-old. And so I think this might be the start of seeing more major league rugby pickups from some of these guys at the end of their career, which is kind of what, you know, the MLS does. And I think it's going to still be true um, for, uh, for you know, and it will be true for major league rugby, but, you know, San Diego are getting their stuff done. And, and you know, the other thing is that they've, you know, their media operation is up and running, right? So we know about these things. I, I sense there are other teams that are making some of those moves, but they're not quite as slick in terms of getting that news out. Still moving in the shadows. That's right. Still move. Well, I mean, I think it's just a, a matter of stability, right? So I think San Diego, um, I think they brought in their new GM last year. Um, I think he's done a really great job of like really putting a structure in place. And there's a number of other teams where GMs are moving or there's, you know, rumors of ownership change. I mean, I think there's like you need that solid foundation um, and the places that have the solid foundation, I think, do the best on the field. Um, and they also do the best in the marketplace. Yeah, no, hard to agree, uh, hard to disagree with you there, my friend. Uh, New Orleans, they did a little bit of re-signing. Uh, didn't go out and grab any free agents as of yet, but Eric Howard, Canadian hooker, comes back along with his Canadian teammate Kyle Bailey, uh, the big Chilean sea bass, Nicola Bursic, re-signed, and Tristan Blewett. He told Drew Brees to go shove it, and he went back to New Orleans gold as he extended another, I believe it was two years beyond the year that he had to run on his contract. No surprises there from uh, Ryan Fitzgerald and Nate Osborne down there. I think their main focus will be getting those stars uh, fit and healthy and then getting a little bit of depth when that attrition part of the season that stung them this year comes around next year, Pete. Yeah, I mean, this is some smart business, right? Eric Howard is their captain. Um, He's been a great player for them. I think one of the things that Nola would look back on, you know, as they came to the end of their season was, um, you know, Kyle Bailey's injury. They tried to get him back on the field. Their losing streak at the end was linked to when Kyle Bailey um, went out with his, I think it was a high ankle sprain. And also they lost Eric Howard very early on in that must-win game against San Diego. So really, really smart signings. Obviously, Tristan Bluer is 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 a no-brainer. And, you know, Nick Bursick is one of those, like, grafters that is has been a really, really solid player for them. Um, you know, the stats that he produces are the stats that you don't see. So the work rate, the, the tackle rate, and so they're really solidifying and saying, you know, who are the players that are the core of our team, both as, um, uh, you know, in terms of position and what they do on the field, but also, I think, in terms of their culture. And that's very, very smart work by Nola. Yeah, it certainly is. Hey, Pete, let's jump into some of the PNC because it kicks off this weekend right here in Denver where we are as the USA take on Canada. 
And we'll put a bit of a Major League Rugby spin on it because this is now year two of Major League Rugby in the books. Are we going to see a difference going into this World Cup from a previous World Cup in 2015 with just two years of professional rugby under our belt? And do you think it will start to show this weekend as we take on uh, our rivals up North Canada? Yeah, I mean, well, I think it has to, right? I mean, I think that we've actually already seen it with the um, with the um, improved performance of the U.S. team um, under Gary Gold. And I think Canada's squad um, only has two players that aren't in a professional environment, whether that's overseas or within Major League Rugby. And, of course, they're not all within the arrows. Like we just talked about Eric Howard um, and Carl Bailey, who are with NOLA, but they're both critical players um, for, for, for Canada. So I think it's going to have a big impact. I mean, um, the PMC, you know, it's the U.S. and Canada, um, it's Japan and Fiji and it's Samoa and Tonga. And for, um, you know, the uh, for the teams, it's a real chance for them to get some strong prep going into the World Cup. They're not playing tier one teams, but they're, they're, every team can go into these games feeling like they can win their games. And I think it's going to be a good te- test for the U.S. I mean, I think Canada's the, the lowest ranked team in the competition. So you'd expect the U.S. to do really well. But then, you know, playing against... Samoa, and then the U.S. playing against Japan is going to be three really good games as they grow. Yeah, this is going to be – I'm looking through the squad now, and it's uh, every position has a major league rugby player in the pool. So that's just uh, one indication of the strength that the league has feeding into Gary Gold's squad. Anyone from the MLR that you're excited to watch this weekend? I know we haven't actually seen the match day 23 yet, so – but uh, over the next couple of weeks, is there anyone you've kind of got an eye on that you are thinking perhaps maybe an outsider for the World Cup or looking to play their way into the World Cup, Pete? Well, I mean, I think one of the really, really um, interesting selections was um, Fa'anana Schultz from um, Houston at number eight. This is someone that hasn't played for the US. He hasn't been capped before, um, just became eligible Um that's going to be a really interesting choice. Had a great end of the season. He, he with, was he was eligible because his dad is from LA. Oh well, there we go. So he's always been eligible, but maybe not selected, and has done aware. A, yeah, has done a great job with Houston, and um, is an exciting player. So I think his selection is interesting. I think. Um, it'll be interesting to see how um, Al Jabori steps up, having now played. Um, 15s this year because he was definitely a sevens player primarily. Um, and then, you know, you can look at the hookers and there's really, um, you know, the question's really going to be, I think, um, is Dylan Fawcett or is um, uh, uh, Capelli um, Piffoletti, are either of them going to be able to make it into the um, backup hooker position with three player, three other hookers that are overseas. So really interesting um, selections in the forwards. What do you think about the backs, Dan? I've, I'm really waiting to see what Will McGee does. It was a rough year for Will at Glendale. And, you know, with everything that's kind of come out into the open in the last couple of weeks down there, I don't think that really falls 100% on Will's shoulder. He'll he'll put his hand up and say his form wasn't great, but I think there was some outside influences that were affecting that. I'm kind of excited to see him play at, you know, what is his home field and kind of bust the shackles. If he can get the start this weekend, you've got AJ 
and Will Hooley in camp as well at 10. And that's probably the most secure position in the team is AJ McGinty's your starting 10, right? Probably Joe as your <laughs> starting so. hooker is, is pretty good. And then Blaine, obviously captain on your wings. Like those those guys are pretty much guaranteed. The ballot fullback is going to be interesting. Mikey Teo comes back from in, injury from uh, that ruled him out from the back end of MLR. So they've got Madison Hughes listed at fullback. And we've seen Maddie play a bit of fullback in 15s and initially didn't do great. I think it was the uh, Moldy All Black game up there in Chicago a few years ago, not the more recent one that he, uh, he, he started and didn't really have a great night out. But then he played in the ARC a few years ago, and I thought he was outstanding at fullback, really put his body on the line because he's not a big fullback, right? He's not a tall guy, and he got under the high ball there and really put himself in the firing line. And I think a lot of his teammates really got a newfound respect for him on that. Yep. But he's up and down. I, I, this transition from sevens, and you know this well, having coached the, the USA women's, how – you know, your player pool was quite limited in terms of bringing sevens players in. But it'll be interesting to see how these sevens guys, after having such a massive year on the series, can now transition over. Uh, ben Pinkelman's another one that I'm really excited to see. I don't see his name on the squad list, but um, I had a long chat with Ben and he felt that his shoulder was something that was going to keep him out of 15s. He's since seen the uh, the legendary David Schneider up at uh, Panorama, just a shameless plug there for Schneids. And he got his shoulder right, he's rehabbed it, and now he feels as though he can put on the weight. Like his body can carry that extra weight that he needs. So that's another one to watch. Sorry to jump into your forward conversation there, Pete. I, I kind of derailed myself there. but Well, that's okay because, like, the question is, would you play Pinkelman in the forwards or would, would you play him at centre? And I think Flank is Ooh, the place yep. for him to be. Um, maybe maybe six, but I don't. I don't actually don't mind depending on how you want to play, right? Like maybe you put him on the bench as a utility cover because you got Lasique, who's a pretty unique kind of build for twelve, and right. has has shown again he's he's transitioned from the NFL, and I know he's got a rugby background. Was so quick, and I'm so impressed with his development and how quick it came. And I'm sure it's going to be even better now having spent this time over in the UK playing uh, over there and getting that type of coaching as well. So you probably lock him in at 12 as well. well just lock yeah. him in. Pack your bags. You are. You are. Oh. Pack your bags. You're on. Well, I think center is one of the positions where the US is probably weakest. Um, you know, I think that um, you can see uh, Threaten Palamo making his way back in with those games at the end of the season with, with Houston. You can see Martin Yusufa from the sevens, and that's because it's been a bit of a challenge. I think one of the interesting selections is Gannon Moore on the wing. Um, you know, this is a guy that had moments of brilliance for Utah, but I'm not sure that, I, you know, it's interesting to see him in that squad. But I think one of the challenges that you're going to have in the back three when you've got Mikey Taylor and Madison Hughes is their ability to be able to play the high ball. You know, everyone else in the back three for the U.S. is 6-1 and above. And that's because the game is often played in the air. And when you're looking at playing at some of these top teams like England, you know that the ball is going to be up in the air. You know it's going to be challenged. So that'll be an interesting selection you know, dilemma for Gary Gold and his staff is like, all right, what's our strategy going to be with that back three combination? Um, I'm excited to see these guys play. I'll, I'll, I'll be at the game this weekend. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because they're up against a, a, a Canada team that's on a bit of a roll. I mean, I think that they're, they're, they're playing 
um, better rugby under Kingsley Jones. I think that they, you know, went through the rapprochage and they and they played well and, and, and they did well in the ARC. And, you know, Major League Rugby is all over their their roster. And one of the interesting selections for me is Hubert Biden's at Lucid. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, what is he? He's um, 37, um, um, has 52 caps, so obviously very experienced, and was just like this solid rock for Nola Gold and didn't start as a member of the squad at the start of the um, ARC, but but finished in the squad and I think finished starting. So he's going to be a really, in, you know, that, that loose head, um, battle for Canada is going to be interesting because you've got Rob Brown, a great season for Toronto Arrows. You have Biden's for Nola Gold, and you have um, uh, Sears Duru, who you know stepped in and played really well for Seattle. And so you've got three major league rugby um, players from three different major league rugby teams all battling for the same position. I think that's going to be a fascinating competition. Yeah, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit of Canada now because. You know, they're a big part of Major League Rugby as we saw the Toronto Arrows and their debut season was were outstanding going down in the semifinals. The one that jumped out for me was how quick Jeff Hasler has been brought back into Kingsley Jones' squad and quality, quality rugby player. And we saw him improve week by week with his short stint with the Seawolves this year. But it'll be interesting to see again that another jump up right from club rugby to test rugby everything's a little bit quicker and a little bit faster and let's see how he handles that i'll be interested to see what he can do there but you know looking through you you've already touched on this pete it's impressive the number of guys who are in this squad not from the toronto arrows so we expected the arrows to have a pretty big influence and you know that was the whole allure of having toronto in major league rugby but you see quite a few seattle seawolves in there as well new orleans gold it's uh, it's it's really exciting to see, and I'm looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be a it's going to be a pretty close game. I think this is Canada's best shot in a long time to upset the USA. Well, I think it is, but I think you know there's there's some interesting. You know, Canada always has a little bit of an advantage in getting some players um, overseas because of the ability to qualify in terms of. Um, you know, with uh, parentage from overseas. But there are some, you know, I think that they've really got some, um, you know, great second rows. I think I think they, you know, they might have a bit of an advantage at, at second row over the over the US. I think the, um, the US, I, I think, would have a little bit of an advantage um, in, in the front row. Um, and, you know, it's going to be, um, and I think in, in the back row, I think that, um, you know, it's going to be sort of like the, the, the rugby knowledge versus the athleticism, I think, of the of you know rugby knowledge of Canada and the athleticism of of the US. But one of the really interesting decisions that Kingsley Jones has to make is the same decision that that sort of Richie Walker had to make, which is like, what do you do with Phil Mack? I mean, he is he is a great rugby player, um, but he is not a technically world you know he's so so he can create things out of nothing he can play when the game is broken if that's the start of play you want that's phil mack but jamie mckenzie had a great year for the toronto arrows and you know obviously phil mack is you know i think he's definitely going to go to the world cup but it's going to be interesting to see if he stays in that backup position yeah that's 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 the tough question isn't it because those opportunities that opened up for phil and seattle in major league rugby 
probably not going to open up at Test Rugby. Right. You know, Gary Gold's going to have his squad pretty dialed in and he's had a chance to watch a lot of Phil Mack with Seattle, as have a good chunk of his players. So those little, you know, lapses, and you know this, you coach Test Rugby, they're just not there. Right. The opportunities. Or, the, or, the, or they're there and the moment is much shorter, right? Yeah. So, so the hole gets filled a lot quicker at that level. And then, you know, Phil had a different setup in his back line at Seattle with uh, Ben Seymour at 10 as opposed to what he's going to have with his options at fly half with Canada, who are probably going to want quick, clean service to play a more structured style of attack as opposed to that spontaneity that comes from his sevens background. So, you know, I'd probably, it, it, I'd probably yeah, put it, him on the it, bench it, again. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I, I think so too. And I think, you know, that there are some other interesting selections um in the um for Canada, you know, I think that Pat Pat Parfrey that um played for Toronto but but didn't play that much um and, and wasn't a starter for them. I'm, I'm I'm I think there may have been some location issues for him in terms of like and I don't think he was in Toronto that much. But you know it, it's it's they've Canada have really struggled at fullback and so they've done something that's been a little bit controversial where they've pulled in um Peter Nelson um, who I believe qualifies through um, a grandparent. And this is a guy that's played the last few few years with Ulster. Um, his grandma. Is his grandma, right? So it's, you know, last few years with Ulster and it's been drafted in, so he hasn't been capped. Um, but it sounds like he's on his way to Canada. So when, when he was released, it looks like that he's going to be moving to Canada. So he's someone, um, you know, he's listed as a fullback. Um, but he can play some fly half too. So, so Peter Nelson is someone who's been in camp and he's right? been playing fly half. Aha. Uh-huh. From behind the virtual glass. Thank you, Aaron. So, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, playing fly half. But but the interesting thing for Major League Rugby is it is Ulster contracted is, is over and it sounds like he's coming to Canada. So, it would be interesting to see if he's a, a new selection for um, the Toronto Arrows in 2020. Hmm. Yeah, I like O'Leary. I like O'Leary at 10 for Canada. That's just me, though. I think he's your option to go. That is just you. Yeah. That is just you. (laughs) Give me a call, Kingsley. I can make it happen for you. um, I mean, I need to to kind of get my way back, right? You um, you know, we we, we don't have a prediction thread from Aaron, but but we should have some predictions for this game, even though I hate predictions. So, so, you know, tell me how you think the game's going to go, USA, Canada, and Glendale this weekend. Yeah, USA by nine. I just think too much firepower out wide. Um, without seeing sides, so if AJ McGinty starts at 10, and geez, your options are kind of open at nine. I almost think Sean Davies suits McGinty more. Their styles seem to be, you know, sync quite well together. With uh, You've got Ruben de Haas and Nate Augsburger as well on the side. But uh, I think Sean and AJ... You're starting 9-10 at the World Cup as well. So if they start on Saturday, AJ's just a step above. You know, whenever he steps on the field, I feel like he's a, a step or two ahead of not only. Look, I mean, I mean, I mean, if yeah, if if, if AJ hadn't wasn't US qualified, he would be being considered for the Irish squad to go to the World Cup. I mean, he wouldn't push out Sexton, but he would be considered for that. He is just one of the best tens in Europe right now. 
and we are just lucky to have him. It'll be interesting to see if they play him in this game because if you look at the rankings, this is the weakest game. It's the home game. They might be holding him back. They might be looking to say whether it's Will McGee or Will Hooley, give someone else and say, look, we're going to give you a run of 10 at this game, and then after this, we're done. Although that's not actually Gary Gold's MO, right? So Gary likes to be very consistent with his selection. So it's also possible that what we see today will be what we see the first game at the World Cup. Well, rosters should be out, I believe, tomorrow. So keep an eye on that, on the uh, the socials for USA Rugby to check out those rosters. And we'll uh, I'm sure we'll dive into it next week as well as we look at the results. But I'll go USA by nine. Too dynamic, too dynamic through the back row, too athletic in the backs. Uh, Canada much improved, though. I think Canada's on an upward trend. So I think this game will be close, but I think the U.S. will pull it out in the end, and I think it will pull it out a little bit more than um, than 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 you suggest. The team's been at altitude. They've been at Colorado Springs for a couple of weeks, I think. They'll be coming in nice and fresh. I think Gary Gold will have them clicking. I think this will be USA by 15. But I think it'll be something like, you know, um, you know 35-20, and it'll be pretty close with about 20 minutes to go. Okay. Yeah. He's a just so agreeable in the off season, Pete. I don't know <laughs> if I can deal with this. Well, let's talk before before we duck out. Let's just talk a little bit of international news about MLR players. Uh, Appy Nakatini, you know, player at the uh, Championship Series for the Seattle SeaWolves. He will suit up for Waikato in the Mitre Ten Cup, which is just about to get underway down in New Zealand. And then the big one that came out today was Aaron Mitchell. From San Diego, you heard Patty Ryan on our show a few weeks ago talking about Aaron Mitchell. He has a trial secured with Bath over in England, and he will be getting, uh, I would imagine, a pretty intense baptism uh, into the front row over at Bath. So that's awesome for Aaron Mitchell, and potentially, uh, if he you know does well, he stays at Bath. If not, he brings a lot of that experience back to San Diego for next year. Well, I think that, you know, if we talk about Nakatini going to the Mitre 10, the Mitre 10 is the um, New Zealand competition, the step below Super Rugby. Uh, it, it the You know, as you said, it's about to kick off. It's actually a really good complementary season for players that are playing in Major League Rugby. There are a number of players that came over that played in the Mitre 10 last year. So it may not be the last Major League Rugby players that we see get picked up Mitre 10 as they go through. And, um, you know, I think that we might see some signings for some of these European teams for Major League Rugby players in the short term during the World Cup. So you'd see them come in sort of August through October with the idea that their short-term cover for players that are at the World Cup um, for some of those teams. And it would be great. I mean, I think that would be sort of like the idea for um, ideal for someone like Aaron Mitchell to be able to stay there for the short term, but for Major League Rugby not to lose him. So let's get over there, play a few games, um, get into that training environment, and then come back in time for the preseason of Major League Rugby. I like it. Hey, power matchup of the week. It's me versus my pillow. It's been great. i got to go to bed, Pete. It's late. It's uh, awesome catching up and getting the show back on the road. Enjoyed my time off, but very happy to be back with you and Aaron. And I believe we'll pick up next week. We'll look at the game between USA and Canada, and we will start our off-season reviews. Uh, we will start going through all the Major League Rugby sides, both existing and the expansion sides, as we look towards 2020. 
and the new season of MLR kicking off in February next year. So for Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power, and we will see you next week.